Welcome back to Grape Choice Wine Reviews. This is episode three. I am your host, Raphael Peterson. We're going to get right into the show. Thanks again for everybody who's been watching and supporting, coming up with good recommendations. I uh, really appreciate it. Helps me to keep the momentum going. Um, so a couple things that I wanted to start off with today that I want to mention. Um, first of all, I am not a wine critic. That's the last thing that the world needs. Another wine critic or another wine reviewer. I'm not trying to do that. My intent with this program is to be able to talk about wine so that you can walk away with the vocabulary necessary to be able to order wine in a restaurant, go out on a date and know what you're talking about in a basic level when you're looking at a wine list, being able to buy wine at the supermarket. This is what this initial series is all about. Just being a little bit more familiar with basic terminology. I'm trying not to get too wrapped up in these very you know, crazy descriptors of wine that really don't tell you what you need to focus on. Um, so that is my intent. A little uh, mention about the scores that I'm giving out. You know, again, talking about wine critics and things like this, I don't think that I want you listening too much to the actual score that I'm giving the wine. I'm using it as more of a reference for myself so that I can go back, I can look at the wines that I've reviewed. Um, I have a website that I'm building so I can look at the wines that are in a category of certain scores and I can go back to them and reference them pretty easily. But I really think that I would love it if you paid more attention to how I'm describing the wine and how I feel about it and how I react to it versus the ultimate score that I'm giving it, right? Who knows, I might you know, throw away the scores altogether. I don't know, I don't wanna give that too much weight, but I think it's more about how to describe the wine so that you can learn how to describe the wine in a similar way, um, if that's what applies. So if I, were, if I am gonna give out some scores, this is what I'm thinking in my mind, right? So 95 to 100, and again, this is relevant to the price point in which you're gonna find this wine. So 95 to 100 is an absolutely incredible wine, something that I would go out of my way to drink, something that really is, is alone in its class, is superior in its class for the price point, and is an absolute showstopper of a wine, 95 to 100. 90 to 95 is something I'd go out of my way to buy, something I'm very excited about, something that is very, that actually shows typicity of the region and should be a benchmark style for that region, 90 to 95, right? 85 to 90, I like the wine. I would buy it again for sure. I would be excited to bring this over to my friend's house, 88, 89, 90, 91. I'm really happy with this wine, right? But 85 to 90, would buy it again for sure. Um, I enjoyed it. 80 to 85, I would not buy this wine again. Don't think it's typical of the region. I think there's something funny going on with it. I don't think it represents the region well or the grape that, that well. I would not buy it. If I went over to my friend's house and they were drinking it and I had no other option, I might drink it, but I'm certainly not spending my own dime on that wine again. And then under 80, I would not drink that wine. I do not want to see it again. If it's the only wine available, I'll probably just go home and call it a night and, or I'll drink a beer or a cocktail or something like that. Okay, so those are my ratings. So that being said, I want to roll into a 60 second or less how to describe red wine, right? I think this will be helpful uh, for a lot of people because honestly it comes down to a few basic things and if you can think about wine in these terms, it's gonna make your, wine, uh, your life a whole lot easier. So we're tasting red wines today. Um, let's make it relevant to this. I'm gonna tell you how to describe red wines um, as quickly as I can so that you can think about wines in these terms. Okay, here we go. How to describe red wine in 60 seconds or less. So first of all, you wanna think about body. Is this wine light, medium, or full in body? 
Some examples of light wines, you have Pinot Noir, Sangiovese, lighter styles of Grenache, Italian varietals like Barbera, Dolcetto, there's a lot of things there. Medium body can be some Zins, Tempranillos, things like this. And then full bodies are your Bordeaux blends, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot, and Malbec, and other things like Syrah and Petit Syrah, and other varietals that fall into that category. Is the wine light, medium, or full? You can also reference it in terms of alcohol volume. Light might be under 13.5%. Medium bodied is in that 135 to 14.5% alcohol. And then full bodied is pretty much above 14.5% alcohol. So that's one way to look at it. Next, I like to see, think of it in terms of fruit, earth, and wood. So you can use the acronym FEW, right? Fruit falls into for red wine, red fruit, blue fruit, or black fruit. Pinot Noir tends to be very red fruit driven. Fresh strawberries, raspberries, cherries, things like this. Syrah tends to be very blue and black fruit driven. You have a lot of blueberries and blackberries in that. And then things like Cabernet Sauvignon tends to be very black fruit driven. Um, of course, there's mixes and combinations that can go in there, but that's one way to categorize it and to approach it. Another thing about fruit is you want to think of the character of fruit. Is this a riper style, right? So there's going to be a big difference. Say, for example, a typical California Central Coast Pinot Noir is going to be very red fruit and very ripe. So think of Things like ultra ripe and maybe jammy, right? And intense like that is going to be very different than a dried out red cherry that you might find in Chianti, for example. I like to think about non-fruit characteristics as well. These might include herbal notes, smoky notes, baking spices like pepper and cardamom and cinnamon, things like this. Um, they also might include random things, I think, like barnyardy and animalistic kind of... Uh, Characteristics can come here, which those might be tied into natural styles of wine or a certain style of wine, right? We'll get more into that later. But think about the non-fruit components that come into the wine. Next, I like to think about the earth components. Is there a gravelly minerality to this? Like you might find in, you know, Bordeaux for Cabernet or Napa Valley for Cabernet. Is there a clay component to this? Has kind of like a more rounder texture uh, that you might find or in a lot of areas that grow Merlot. Is there a volcanic minerality that's just very wild and ashy and almost like burnt, scorched earth like you might find in some Sicilian reds or uh, Italian reds from the south? You know, there's things like that. Uh, is it fresh forest floor or wet forest floor that you might find in some styles of Pinot Noir? Those are typical earth components corresponding to those grapes. That's just something to think about. Next, in FEW, so the last one is wood. Is there presence of oak on this wine? AKA, has it been aged? in a wooden barrel that's imparted enough character into this wine so that you can notice it. Now, wood can come across as, depending on the type of char and the oak, it can be like a vanilla component, even coconutty, um, some people will say. There's a kind of like a sweeter oak profile. Sometimes in French oak, it can be a little bit sharper, like in the form of shaved pencil lead or gravelly or kind of things like this. So. Um, and also wood aging will impart a little bit more tannin into the wine and into the ultimate structure of what you're tasting. So again, just a quick recap. Think about the body of the wine. Is it light, medium, or full, right? Think about the fruit components. For red wine, is it red, blue, or black? Is the wine riper, jammier, or drier, right? For non-fruit, is there smoke? Is there pepper? Are there any floral notes? Are there any herbal notes? Those are non-fruit components. For the earth, are you getting any significant earth notes out of these wines? You don't have to get any of these characteristics, just the things that stand out at you. And then finally, wood, is there any oak presence on this wine from barrel aging? Um, lastly, actually, I like to think about how is this wine finishing? 
So is it very dry? Is it a drier finish or is it a fruit dominant finish, right? That's gonna have a lot to do with the wine. And then acidity and tannin normally hit you towards the end. Are the tannins very high and are they persisting throughout this wine into the finish? That's something to consider. And where's the acidity? Is it making you pucker still, uh, you know, your, gland, your mouth sal salivate a little bit towards the end? That's gonna tell you where the acid levels are at. So I definitely went well over my 60 seconds because I talk way too much, but that would be my breakdown on how to approach tasting red wines, all right? Now, we've got the scores out of the way, we got tasting red wine out of the way, let's get into the actual wines of today. So, I went back to Vons, remember I'm hitting up Vons a lot right now because I'm trying to get as many wines out of a certain area and then I'll move into a different area or a different supermarket and kind of start going from there. So, uh, shout out to Debbie in Pacific Beach Vons location. Uh, she is the uh, one of the sales associates there, kind of running the wine program and making sure everything's stocked up and looking good. She was super helpful um, on my last trip. We got to talk a little bit more. Uh, yes, it is the first person that I met when I ran up to her during an Instagram live, uh, which was super awkward. I actually got to talk to her like a normal human being this time, which was great, super helpful, uh, and helped me make some good recommendations. So if you're there, see if she's there. She'll probably point you in the right way. If she's not there, then reference some of these episodes and see uh, which wine might fit the best wine that you're looking for that night. So I went out with the intention of, we did kind of thick skin varietals last week. I wanted to get into a thicker skin, kind of richer, bolder style of wine category this week. So I was thinking uh, a domestic red blend, and then I was thinking, well, what other things might be in that category as far as richness that I can look for here in the supermarket? So I got a red blend, it's Ravel, uh, we're going to talk about that in a second, but I've been, I'm thinking like, okay, for other countries, so for Spain, there wasn't a lot under 15 bucks, you know, richer styles of Spanish wines, I'm thinking maybe some rich modern style of Tempranillo um, or Monastrell, which I got a really killer Monastrell, I'm looking forward to tasting this. For Italian wines, for bigger, bolder styles, you're thinking possibly Amarone, it's definitely the biggest style out there. Super Tuscan blend from Chianti, that's probably Cabernet driven or something like this, it's a richer, bolder style. Montepulciano might fall into that category. Didn't find one under 15. Alianico from Italy, from the south, one of my favorites. Couldn't, want, couldn't find one for under 15 either. So I ended up getting a wine from the Veneto, which we'll talk about that in a second. And then Bordeaux, right? I mean, Bordeaux blend, Cabernet, Merlot, and Cab Franc. You're thinking thick skin grapes. You're thinking these might be a little bit richer. Um, I found one under 15, which I got. It ended up, ended up being a Merlot dominant blend. Um, but I figured, you know what? Hey, this is things that... I'm trying to get something quickly, right? Again, you're in the supermarket doing shopping kind of quick. You're not standing there taking all the time in the world. These are the things that I came up with um, kind of on the fly. So first one, we're going to start because it is the lightest in alcohol. I'm thinking lightest in style at 13.5% alcohol. Finally get to taste some wine. This is a Bordeaux. So this is the Chateau Au Periat 2016 from the Medoc region of Bordeaux. So... When you think of Bordeaux, if you break it into two categories, a lot of times people think about left bank and right bank for reds. Obviously, there's a lot more regions, um, but left bank can be considered Cabernet dominant blends and right bank can be considered Merlot and Merlot Cabernet Franc blends. Um, this is from the Medoc, so it took me a second. I had to remember, I was like, well, okay, Medoc is kind of a larger region that is on the left bank of Bordeaux, but you don't have to be Cabernet dominant here. And actually, this is an 80% Merlot 20% Cabernet Sauvignon blend. Once you get into the Omidoc, which is a smaller region within the Medoc, this is where 
you have the smaller Appalachians that are really famous. A lot of the first growth Bordeaux's and, and, and all the growth Bordeaux's actually are, are in these kind of four to six communes that are in uh, the Omidoc. So this is kind of a broader region. They're allowed to use higher percentages of Merlot than this is what this is. So let's take a look. Now, another thing I want to get in the habit of is mentioning what I would expect out of this wine and then obviously going through it and seeing what differs, right? So for a Bordeaux wine that's Merlot dominant, I'm thinking the Merlot is going to add a lot more of a rounder fruit component to it, a little bit more plummier, um, softer fruit notes. A bit of Cabernet Sauvignon is going to add a bit of structure to the wine. There's maybe going to be a dustier, drier tannic finish, possibly a little bit earthy, medium body, that 13.5% alcohol. It's not a big, rich red wine blend or anything like this in theory. So let's see what's up. On the nose, it's um, got this really nice kind of red, creamy, velvety nose to it with the little baking spices in here. It's not too earthy or anything like this. Give it a taste. Hmm. That's pretty good. So you get a lot of kind of darker red fruit components, definitely very red fruit driven. You get these darker plum, kind of very drier raspberry cherry finish to the wine for sure. It is very medium bodied, right? You're getting a lot of these drier red fruits that kind of wrap all around the, all around your mouth, all around the um, palate. You're getting these drier baking spices. It's a, there's a touch of green bell pepper in this wine. It's very subtle, but there is this kind of dried sage, dried herb de Provence component going on in this wine, which I like. If you're thinking about any foods that have herbal tones to them, these little herbal notes in the wine can serve as a really good bridge to go to those styles of dishes. Um, yeah, it kind of has a long, dusty tannic finish to it, which I like. Seems pretty classic. Yeah, it's really interesting. It has this kind of like juicy red fruit up front and then finishes with this dry kind of cherry, blackberry, raspberry finish. A little dusty tannin, kind of gravelly, but very approachable. Um, I like that one a lot. For this one, Chateau Old Periot, I'm going to give this wine an 89 out of 100. I think it's a great wine. I think it's very classic for the region, um, and I like it a lot. Okay, so that's wine number one. So that was a Merlot Cab blend. Let's move into the Rabble. Okay, so Rabble red wine from Paso Robles. So it doesn't really tell you what the grapes are on the bottle. As a note, um, if you, in order to be able to put the grape that's in the wine on the label, you have to have at least 75% of that grape in that wine, right? So I think this is 73% Merlot. There's some Cabernet Sauvignon in it, and there's a bit of Petit Syrah in it. So Cab and, and Petit Syrah, obviously two thick skin grapes, going to add a lot of structure to this wine. But Merlot should be pretty fruit forward and dominant. So there's something I want to talk about about this wine, right? This is um, a wine I didn't know a lot about. It's got these really cool kind of intricate cool labels, super artistic. There's a lot going on on here. It came with the tag telling you to download the Rabble app, the Rabble experience, I guess. Experience the Rabble, right? For a more um, in-depth experience of the wine. I'm not one to do those types of things. If I've already I'll kind of moved around in the supermarket and I'm trying to be quick, I don't want to spend more time doing things like this. Finally, when I got home, I downloaded the app and there's something really cool with this wine that got me actually pretty pumped. So I'm gonna kind of zoom into this, check this out, boom. 
So what you're seeing now is part of the app. When you put the your phone, the camera, over the label, this is what you see. Pretty badass. I think that this is going to be the future of wine labels and how we interact with wine, right? There's this virtual experience. So I'm actually super pumped on that. So this user experience, this is augmented reality that they're using through their app to give you something that you wouldn't normally find just on a, a 3D label, I mean, or a 2D label. You're looking now at something that's completely augmented reality. I think it's gonna be the future of wine labels and interactions with customers, being able to simply read off of a label and how you can enhance that. I'm pretty pumped. I wanna reach out to these guys and see who made this possible for them. Um, I think that there's a ton of potential for an augmented reality label that can either inform you or entertain you, right? Which is what people are here for in the first place. So before even tasting the wine, I just gotta say I'm really excited about that. It's the first time that I've seen it. Um, I definitely recommend trying it out for yourselves. It's pretty fun. I mean, it's a pretty quick little thing that they're showing you, but nevertheless, really, really fun and exciting. So anyway, back to the wine, Rabble from Paso Robles. So we know that this is, after Googling it, we know that it's a Merlot dominant blend. It does not say that here on the label. It smells like super bright, juicy fruit. Kind of uh, like there's this like fig component, a very jammy component, almost like pruny. Definitely darker, like darker stewed fruit, like a baked cherry pie or something like this. The fruit is very bright, kind of jumping out of the glass. Let's, uh, let's dig into the wine. All right, so this is a full-bodied, rich wine. Incredibly fruit dominant. It coats your entire mouth, again, so a high viscosity. It is red and dark fruit driven, so I'm getting a lot of like raspberry jam. I'm getting a lot of this kind of dark figgy component, very plummy component, stewed cherry, like a dark cherry pie, a little vanilla notes from possible oak aging on this wine. Um, there's some, some there's some baking spices that come through on the wine, uh, maybe a little bit of red licorice and maybe some baking spices. But honestly, this is a intensely fruit dominant wine. Um, it is what's driving the show on this wine for sure. Not really any earthy, big earthy notes that come out. Um, there's there's presence of oak for sure, both in the tannic structure of the wine. It's adding a lot of like the, the impression of drying out tannins. It's very full bodied, which you can probably get that you know structure from oak also. But there's also this kind of vanilla, vanilla creaminess to the wine that I think is coming from the oak aging. Um, this is a pretty rich, intense wine. Um, again, is it my style of wine? I like to look for wines that have a little more balance to them. I'm not crazy about it per se. Honestly, I'm not. I don't dislike it at all. I think this wine is very interesting. I think if you're looking for an intense, fruit forward, red fruit driven style of red wine. Um, this this is a good wine. I um, again, I'm not mad at it at all. I think it's I don't think it's a bad wine. I think it's actually the fruit on it's pretty tasty. I mean, it's like a, a cherry pie with a vanilla coke, is what that is. But you know, I think I'm gonna give this an 87. Um, nothing against the wine. They have a ton of different labels, so it'd be interesting to see what other wines that they have and maybe. Um, one of them appeals a little bit more to me, not my style, but again, that's, I mean, it's not a bad wine. 
very, very fruit dominant um, if that's your jam. So, but interesting, again, look out for these labels. Definitely check them out. That's going to be something that's going to that's going to change the experience of the consumer with a bottle of wine for sure. And I want to get on board on that. I want a little sommelier label with an augmented reality experience. If you guys know somebody who knows how to do that, let me know. Moving on to wine number three. So this is the Gran Passione out of the Veneto region of Italy. So as I said before, I was looking for, you know, bigger, richer styles of red wines to have alternatives in different countries. And I was thinking possibly Amarone. I couldn't find an Amarone for under 15 bucks, probably pretty hard. There's a lot of labor, in, especially that goes into that particular style of wine, right? Where they dry out the grapes and whatnot. So I, I know that Amarone comes from the Veneto. Valpolicella comes from the Veneto. That's typically a lighter style of red, very comparable to a bright red fruit driven Pinot Noir, but with more of those Italian spices. Love Valpolicella. Amarone is the serious bigger brother where they use a lot of the same grapes in Valpolicella. They just let these grapes sit for an extended amount of time on the vines, pick them late, borderline raisinated, and then let them sit out and dry out to further those concentration of flavors of kind of prune and raisination that, that occurs in that process. This is neither of those, Valpolicella or Amarone. It just says Veneto Rosso. I don't even know what's in that appellation. I don't know that anybody off the top of their head would know what the allowable grapes are in the Veneto Rosso IGP Appalachian. I Googled it and you can get a bit of everything. There's guys that are using local grapes. There's guys making wines out of Merlot. There's guys making wines out of Cabernet. So you can, I mean, I don't know what the limitations are, but they're basically making it wine out of everything out there. It's acceptable. Now on the back of the bottle, it says passion is powerful feeling. Da -da 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 -da. It's a full body deep red wine. The wine is produced through an ancient process of drying a portion of the grapes in the sun. So it is the process that they're using in Amarone, which is super interesting. I Googled it and this is Merlot dominant. So very unusual combination of grapes used and the style in which the wine is made. Um, but let's check it out, right? That's what we're here to do. This is 14% alcohol on the label, so I'm thinking kind of medium, medium plus bodied, even though on the label it says that this is a full-bodied wine. Let's see what's up. So super elegant, creamy fruit on the nose. Definitely not the pruny raisination I was expecting, especially from this style of wine, where they basically make it out of raisins. However, there is that deeper, darker concentration of dark red fruit on the nose for sure with some baking spices, leather, and tobacco on the nose. It's got that kind of classic Italian nose, which I love. There's also a, kind of like an iron, it's gonna sound weird, but almost like that, what you think of like blood or iron, a very rich, almost like raw meat or gamey component. There's a little bit of that going on in here. All right, super interesting. Very red fruit driven, man. Lot of fig, lot of plum, lot of vanilla with cocoa and cassis. The alcohol lingers, the tanning kind of lingers. Um, this is this is super interesting. It kind of it reminds me a lot of a um, a modern style of Rioja, Tempranillo from Rioja that has that vanilla oak aging, the kind of sweeter oak component. The first thing that's coming to my mind when I'm getting this. So 
But again, medium plus body, super red fruit driven. You're getting the tobacco spices. You're getting the subtle raisination, but it's not over the top. Like in some Amarones where it's super dark and raisinated. I do want to point out that there is a sweeter fruit component to this wine. So, you know, that being said, it's not, it's actually a great alternative to something like a Paso Robles red wine blend like we tasted in the Ravel because you are getting this dominance of fruit um, that comes through on the wine. There is, there's not as much baking spices as I thought there was going to be. I didn't get as much as what I got on the nose as far as that kind of gamey and tobacco stuff. It's not coming through as much on the back end. It's there a little bit to balance it out. Certainly more balanced with non-fruit components than the Ravel was, in my opinion, which I like, right? Kind of ties it, kind of helps to wrap it up really nicely. Um, you know, that's a really interesting wine. I, I think, again, if we're thinking something alternative to a New World Red Blend, where this is, I'm going to call it full-bodied, even at 14%. Full-bodied, it is fruit-dominant, but there is a presence of leather and tobacco and kind of Italian spices, not herbal at all. Not really earthy at all. It's a very clean and bright fruit with tannins that persist throughout the end. So great with richer solid protein. I think this is a more complex wine. I like it a lot. I'm going to give this wine, I'm going to give it a 90. That's an exciting wine. Definitely would drink that again. Super interesting. All right, let's go into the last wine of the evening. So this is a Spanish wine. Very excited. I've had some of this these wines before. I don't think I've had this one in particular. So this is Juan out of Jumilla, Spain. So Jumilla is a little wine producing region kind of in the southeastern part of Spain next to Alicante, the beach town over there. So think very warm Mediterranean climate. Um, I haven't been there personally, but you know, it is a warm climate. 15% alcohol, something this is obviously going to be in the very rich, um, rich category. All right, Juan Gil Monastro. So Monastro is a super interesting grape. I have had incredible Monastros. It is a great budget wine for entry style of Spanish wines without having to spend a lot of dough, which I love. Monastro um, is also known as Mouvet, right? So we see that a lot in France. We've tasted a couple of uh, Cote de Rhone and talked about the Southern Rhone in the past few episodes, which the blend is Grenache, Chiron, Mouvet, right? So again, Mouvet, it's included in that grape, same grape here in Monastrel, except this is 100% Monastrel, all varietal Monastrel, which is kind of cool. I've had some kind of, you know, medium minus, medium body Monastrels before, um, which are surprising to me. And this I'm expecting at 15% is going to be a beast. Monastrel typically, again, should show you definitely known for these meaty, gamey, savory flavors, definitely black fruit driven, intensity of fruit due to the warmer climate that it's grown in. Yeah, those are some characteristics that I'd expect out of uh, Monastro at 15% from Spain. So let's see what's up. Let's see how it tastes. It's pretty dark in the glass, not opaque, but super interesting. Whoa, this has a crazy nose. Okay, red and black fruit driven. There's definitely like a black licorice, red licorice component. There is, a, I mentioned it briefly in the in this wine here about the gamey meaty note, which is very subtle here on the on the the Gran Passione, it's definitely more prevalent here. This is intense. Hmm. There's um 
this characteristics of Syrah in there. So it's like this black olive, green olive component to the wine, very savory, full body, big red and dark fruit up on the front palate with all these baking spices and gamey, rich, savory notes that come through. And then a long kind of juicy finish with soft round tannins. Mm, I like that one a lot. Again, if you're in the mood for something big and rich, alternative to a Cabernet Sauvignon, for example, with more dimensions to it, this wine is fantastic. Wow, I'm super impressed by that. I drink that all day. I'm gonna give that a 94. For the $15 price range that it's at, I would totally drink this again. Um, would love to have it with steak. Super complex wine. There is big fruit. There's a lot of non-fruit characteristics. It is gamey. It is savory. There's, um, there's a really pretty floral kind of violet note going on to it as well. Big structure from the beginning through the end. I like that a lot. So, guys, check out the wines if you like any of these. Revisit them. Let me know if you have any questions. That's the show for today. Um, I got to run to work. I got to get out of here. But thanks again for your support. Please don't forget to follow me on YouTube. Subscribe to the Hospitality TV channel. That's where I'm putting all of my Great Choice Wine Review episodes on. You'll see a bunch of other content there as well where I interview different people in our industry uh, for best advice and best practices. Yeah, make sure you uh, reach out. Let me know what you think. Thanks a lot. Take care.